You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica Slesser, and today we'll hear from Julie Young, CEO of ASU Prep Digital, a new college prep option that started in August of 2017 and supports districts in Arizona and students worldwide. Julie founded and led Florida Virtual and has been a leader in online and blended learning for 30 years. Her new gig uh, at ASU Digital Prep combines online high school and university classes to provide a, a really unique learning opportunity for students. The ASU Prep Digital students will have the chance to explore college majors and careers with ASU centers and staff and qualified high school students will be concurrently enrolled at ASU, which gives them a real leg up on enrollment uh, there at ASU or acceptance at leading universities worldwide. Tom talked with Julie to learn more about ASU Prep Digital and get her predictions for the future of online learning. Let's listen in. Julie Young, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you so much, it's a pleasure to be here. Julie, you've been a leader in online learning for uh, for decades. I think we both started online schools uh, way back in the 90s, but your school got a lot bigger than mine. Uh, it was called Florida Virtual School. Uh, what's the backstory on uh, Florida Virtual? So yes, I did. I had the privilege of being the founding president and CEO of Florida Virtual School back in the 1996-97 school year. Um, it really started out as a two-page concept paper from some active citizens who were interested in looking for some alternative ways to provide choice education to students. Um, when I use the word alternative, you know, people's kind of lights go on thinking, okay, what's what's what are the issues with these kids? This was really, um, I remember when I was in my interview and the gentleman that interviewed me Bob Williams said, you know, this is really about the kids who aren't interested in the pep rallies and are interested in in doing school. And uh, in addition to kind of the forward thinking leadership in both Orange and Alachua County at the time, the homeschool movement in Florida is very strong, as you know. And so the homeschool foundation was also a huge proponent and um, part of those, uh, you know, initial of all the initial planning, and and today the homeschool students are a large population of Florida Virtual School. It was about twenty five percent statistically year over year of homeschool students and families who didn't didn't actually take their courses full time with us. Primarily, they took two or three courses and filled gaps in the efforts that that they were. Um, that they're using with their kids. But all in all, it started out as a two-page concept paper to provide, provide a different way of learning. Um, it was definitely um, a pilot program that was funded by the legislature. Um, we had 77 students when we started in 1997. And uh, when I retired in 2014, we had 650,000 enrollments which was approximately 375,000 individual students in the state of Florida taking uh, courses K through 12, full-time, part-time, supplemental, um, and through their districts. And uh, about 2 million students that were taking courses worldwide. Um, We had a very unique opportunity through the vision of Governor Jeb Bush to 
um, become very entrepreneurial with the program. There was a desire at the time by the legislature to show that public schools could be innovative and that they could do things different. And um, so we did, and you know, we had the opportunity to eliminate the calendar, um, to completely change the instructional model. Um, students were, uh, could avail themselves to their teacher anytime, seven days a week by text. At the time, there wasn't text. There was phone call and there was dial-up when we started. Um, but the whole idea was to redesign school around the learner and put the student at the center of every decision that we made as opposed to the adults' schedules. So we fundamentally changed everything um, that we all kind of know and love about traditional school. It was an important pioneer. And there's a couple differences between Florida Virtual and uh, some of the online charter schools that have received so much uh, recent criticism. Uh, One is that you really valued um, and pursued school district partnerships. Uh, Places like Miami, Dade um, were really great partners for Florida Virtual and you helped create uh, lots of secondary options and some new learning models and powered not only online options, but blended options for places like like Miami-Dade, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of our goals early on, um, which, which came from a philosophy of wanting to expand the reach and give more students the options for these kinds of learning opportunities, Um, So one of our goals very early on was to take what we did and then roll that out to the districts. We created what was called the Florida Franchise Program. So each district could have their own mini Florida virtual school, and they were all very different flavors depending on the needs in that particular district. Um, Miami-Dade was uh, one of our largest, as you might imagine, franchises and a great partner. really very focused on providing additional opportunities for students throughout the district, as well as managing a teacher shortage at the time. So we became a solution um, that enabled them to continue giving their kids a a high quality education when they were lacking teachers in particular certification areas. Um, So so that was certainly one philosophy is trying to spread the wealth. Um, In addition, when we very first started, it was Broward County who was our very first franchise uh, based on the fact that we had a finite amount of money at the time. We were not driven by per-pupil funding. We had a legislative line item, so when the money ran out, we could no longer take students, and they had more students than we could possibly serve at the time that were in need. And so um, together, we kind of conceptualized what would it look like for them to set up a mini Florida virtual school, if you will, in Broward County, which became our first franchise. So that was really driven by demand. Julie, you also pioneered uh, performance funding, uh, which I think is still unique. You you would get about half the money up front and half when a student uh, successfully completed a course. Is that right? Actually, we did not receive a dime until the student completed a course. Wow. Um, yeah, very interesting. There are a few funding models like that that have been um, uh, put in place around the country, very few. The, the idea was um, that if our students were successful and by successful, the bar was, it was a D, um, but 
we put in place very strong internal controls to head off the question of, well, of course, every student will pass, correct, um, if you're going to be funded based on students who are actually successful. As it turned out, um, we hovered between 80 and I think one year we hit 90% completion, um, but not all students, you know, completed, but a large amount of students were successful um, because we valued what the student learned when they left us, and that's how we measured the student's progress and success with us, as opposed to all the mistakes they made along the way. So when you uh, were to look, if you were to look at the Florida Virtual School grades and compare them to the masses, you would see that we did have more A's and B's. Um, students actually had the opportunity to learn and to relearn and to restart, and then grades were awarded based on what the student knew when they left us as opposed to all the mistakes they made along the way. So the performance-based funding model was interesting in that it came about because in our sixth year, the class size amendment passed in Florida, which was a very expensive um, thing to implement. And so that year, everything that was a line item pretty much zero budgeted. So at that point, the legislature came to us and said, we can put you on an FTE or a per pupil funding um, performance or uh, funding model, or we can do performance. And we selected performance. Um, the board and uh, myself and my leadership team felt very strongly that if we were going to try to disrupt and truly make a difference and make a, a dramatic change in the educational experience that we should be awarded funding when students learned. So it was an all or nothing. So um, it was a challenge in that, you know, students disappear, students move. Um, if a student moved in the middle of the year, we did not receive any funding for that student unless they had completed at least one semester. Um, but all in all, I think it was groundbreaking and important work because it really changed how we viewed our roles and and um, you know our industry, and it really viewed how a teacher viewed their role. They were not successful unless their kids were. So, when you look back on the success at Florida Virtual, what what do you think the keys uh, to to success were, both in in scaling and the sort of academic success that you had? Was it great? courseware, great teachers, great support systems? You know, of course, the, the, the easy answer is all of the above. Um, however, I think it is how we fundamentally change the instructional, the instructional model. The fact that, it, it, and, and there have been many studies done on the work at Florida Virtual School, so you, you don't just look at the grades and go, oh, wow, they make really good grades there, but you then look at the end-of-course exams that are administered by the state. You also look at ACTs and SATs. Um, you also look at the FCAT. And when you look at all of those pieces together, it, it does paint a picture of, um, of a successful, a successful learning experience for those kids where they are performing. I know the first year that the end-of-course exams came out, and I can't tell you the year, but it certainly has been within the last decade, um, Florida Virtual School students ranked 10th in the state on end-of-course exams out of 67 districts. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, these are the kids that we never see. Um, we didn't prep them for those exams. But the instructional model, what's inherent in that instructional model, which we will be 
we will be embracing at ASU Prep Digital is that it's a mastery-based model. So students do not move on until they've mastered the material. There are not gates, but they have the opportunity to try, try again, try another way. And so the learning takes place. And you know, one of the things I always say is kids don't get behind in math in 10th grade. They get behind in math in third grade and in fourth grade. And then, you know, basically they get as much as they can possibly get and pass and they move on. So when a student gets a 70 and, you know, depending on where they, where they live, that's a C or a D, um, when they get a 70, what about the other 30% that they never learn? And, you know, so, so if we really do look at the learning progression and we say, okay, we want to make sure that they, they learn this before we push them forward, it fundamentally changes your outcomes. And so I think the instructional uh, methodology was totally, you know, our secret sauce. Sure, the courses were um, great. We're very proud of the course course development that we did. Um, definitely, uh, some of best in class. Um, but it was how those courses were used that really made the difference in a child's life. Julie, you've uh, for a long time been an active iNACL board member. Uh, why do you think? iNACL's uh, an important organization in uh, K-12 education. Yeah, iNACL was founded in 2003, and I remember the, uh, the room we were in with the group that was convened to conceptualize the need for the organization. If we think about, Tom, where you and I were in the middle mid-90s when we started down this path as to where we are today in terms of, of acceptance and expectation, I think we finally have gotten to the point, we're not completely there, but we've finally gotten to the point where online learning is is just is part of learning. And so I remember us talking one day about, won't it be great one day when we can say, you know, well, Susie's taking algebra as opposed to Susie's taking her algebra online. And because it's just another way to learn. And I think INACOL and the support that that organization has, has provided over the last uh, 15, 16, 17 years, 20 years, however long it's been, I think it's been 20, has really convened people to come together and talk about the myths as well as the truths and to give people the opportunity to find good examples of where things are working, um, give people the opportunity to talk about what doesn't work. Um, it's, a, it's been a safe environment for people to come to learn, to share, to convene. And um, as we've kind of forged the way, which, you know, with, with what started out as full virtual, you know, Florida Virtual School started out as 100% virtual. Um, but then as the years have, have you know, gone by, um, it's really about what's best for the student in the community. It might be full virtual, it might be blended, it might be hybrid. Um, my belief at this point is that every classroom should be a blended learning classroom. And we were doing this work in the 80s. And, um, you know, we called it something different back then. I don't know what we called it. Um, but, you know, blended learning is, is, is not new, shouldn't be new. Um, but it requires a great deal. It requires a highly, highly trained teacher, um, strong leadership and support and organization in order to pull it off. And so INACO was a place 
that um, people could come and they could see those best practices and, and, and learn how to go back and implement in their, in their own schools. If you're enjoying this episode, we suggest checking out the season three opening episode where our Getting Smart team sat down and discussed what they think the future of learning looks like. We'll include it in the show notes below. Now back to Tom and Julie. Julie, uh, you're leading ASU Prep Digital these days. ASU Preparatory Academy is a a K-12 school authorized by Arizona State, and uh, you're expanding their uh, digital footprint. Uh, Tell us about ASU Prep Digital. Yes. Well, ASU uh, or Arizona State University actually launched the Network of Charter Schools back in 2008 starting with a turnaround school in downtown Phoenix that went from an F to a to an A, I believe, in two years time. Um, again, an incredible vision match with my team uh, and the leadership of the university in regards to how we think about um, how we educate students and putting the learner at the center of our work. So um, ASU's new online high school program, which I have the the privilege to be the CEO of, allows students to actually take university level courses and earn credit towards both a diploma and a university degree at the same time. Uh, We're changing the conversation and creating a new category of school. Um, Hopefully we'll start college in high school. Little bit different than dual enrollment, Whether our students enroll in a single course or a full-time program, they'll become non-degree seeking students at Arizona State University, and they will have a VIP application status when it comes time to apply to ASU. So again, we're combining high school and college in a, a quite a unique way that really gives kids the flexibility to work at their own pace from anywhere in the world, but also to become um, a college-going student um, in high school. And, you know, you kind of go, well, okay, well, isn't that just basic dual enrollment? People do that all over. It's very different. Um, We actually call it concurrent enrollment because they are concurrently enrolled at the university. Um, They do become college students of the university while in high school. The credits that they earn that are concurrent, meaning they count for high school and for college, are ASU credits that will transfer as ASU credits as they are taken. So there's no chance that a student is going to, you know, try to transfer those college credits into um, another university outside the state or outside the country, and they're going to go, eh, you know, those credits won't won't transfer. Right. No, that's super valuable. Uh, there, there's a Wall Street Journal article today on how uh, the rapid growth of dual enrollment, um, hundreds of thousands of kids taking community college uh, classes. And it depends on the state whether those uh, are transferred in-state and many of them are not transferred out of state. So being concurrently enrolled at ASU uh, not only gives you the benefit of the, this VIP status for enrollment, but uh, an ASU credit in most states is much more valuable than a community college credit. Yeah, it's, it kind of is a dirty little secret. I, did, I don't think I realized until I got here the, the depth of which that happened to students. It happens not just with dual enrollment. It sometimes ha- happens as well with advanced placement courses. Right. 
you know, they think that they, you know, have these courses to take with them and then they're not accepted. So um, very excited. There's a very intentional focus on personalized pathways that allow our students to kind of explore who they are at the same time as they take that college course credit. We're working with the different colleges. Right now we have uh, conversations and action taking place with eight different colleges here on the university where we will um, also be presenting intro introductions to the discipline courses. So um, our students will have the opportunity to experience uh, the field of engineering possibly as a freshman in high school. So it won't be engineering 101, it will be an introduction to that, that career. And so we're very excited about that. We hope that by the time our kids graduate, they've had an opportunity to explore six or eight careers in depth and um, had interaction with um, you know, university professors, um, we provide a success coach, so it's really a three-part instructional model that includes our online teachers, a success coach, and if it is a concurrent or a university course, then the university professors will be teaching the kids as well. Um, and of course, kids will be able to move and advance when ready. So we have a 13-year-old right now that is getting ready to enroll in college courses. We all know those kids. Um, so there are no limits in this model for our students. Julie, do you, do you think you'll serve more uh, full-time students or uh, more part-time students? Right now we have about 1,600 enrollments and 50 of those are full-time. I do think that the full-time number will grow rapidly based on what we're offering. Um, you know, we're really offering families and students the opportunity to significantly reduce time and costs to degree, which I can talk right. more about. But I, I think probably like Florida Virtual School, we'll have more part-time enrollments when it's all said and done, you know, majority. But you're really seeking um, international enrollments, and I suspect many of those will come through as full-time, is it? Yes, yes. Um, really, and, and what, what we're excited about, this was kind of one of those dreams I feel like we never had the opportunity to realize while I was at Florida Virtual School. Um, it, it really is a, is a goal and a desire to connect students so that they are interacting with kids from around the world, solving and working on real problems that affect us all, learning languages from each other, having the opportunity while they are learning a language to actually speak that language in a meaningful dialogue with students that they're working with um, and having the tools in place to do that. Um, but to really give them that, that view of the world. Um, so often, if you think about how our schools are designed and even our online schools are designed, um, you know, it, it, kids live in a, a 10 mile radius and, you know, we have kids in Florida who have never seen the beach. Um, so when you think about our society today and uh, what we know about our world today, we just feel like it's absolutely critical that kids have the opportunity to learn about the world around them and to learn how to work in that diverse uh, community of learning. So let's, uh, I want to push on a couple different things here. How do you do that sort of connected collaborative learning online and, and can you do things like project-based learning online? I, we, we absolutely can, um, you, you know, and the tools have gotten so much better. So 
you know, we're currently using Adobe Connect and, you know, which is just an online classroom. So the, the idea will be that we, the, the kids will come together. They will have an opportunity to be together in the same virtual classroom for uh, the introductions, the assignments, the learning opportunity as to how to do the work. Um, and then they'll be put in project groups and the success coach and the teacher as well as the professor if it's a university course. But the success coach and the teacher um, will really guide the students through that process. We are going to um, be strategic about where our teachers live um, in terms of time zones as um, and how they, they work with different students. So teachers will partner on that. Um, right now we have teachers from Hawaii all the way to Tennessee um, and, uh, and a success coach that is lined up for a group of kids that we expect to serve in China. So uh, there'll, there'll be a very dynamic effort to work together in teams. And I think that's probably something that, um, you know, we all could do better in the education space. We tend to think of classes as one teacher, one group of students, and that one teacher takes care of that group of students, whereas we're really looking at how do we surround the student with support um, and have flexible models and, um, depending on what the learning opportunity is. Julie, I want to go back to the concurrent enrollment. Um, how, how do you know a student is ready to take a college class? Are there prereqs or a pretest? How does that work? They're actually um, with a couple of the dip, different disciplines. Um, there are uh, prereqs and there is um, a test that, that the students would take if they are entering into those courses prior to actually becoming officially enrolled as a freshman at ASU. Um, I can't tell you which ones those are off the top of my head, but I know that they, but they are. So there definitely are some prereqs that the kids, um, just like if they were entering their freshman year, would have to have to uh, manage. Sure, you'd you'd uh, both you and uh, and ASU profs would want some assurance that the students are going to be successful in those classes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. And so the 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 student success coaches, the learning coaches that we are hiring um, at this point, both of them have counseling backgrounds, and so. The, the idea behind the success coach is that they will be able to provide that college going counseling as well as the support for the student um, outside of the academics. So um, we'll have that, you know, that, that intel on staff to work with the students to help make those decisions. Students will absolutely have to demonstrate their learning. Um, one of the things we don't want to do is set up students to fail. So we, we want to be very strategic about um, kind of shepherding them on a path that will then get them into those college courses sooner rather than later. Julie, let's uh, wrap up with a couple minutes of peering into the crystal ball and let's talk about the, the future of online learning. Um, you, you were an early um, experimenter in uh, game-based learning. Are you bullish on, uh, on games and game-based learning? Uh, so bullish that our newly designed courses will be uh, game. Will have a combination of game uh, game based activities, um, virtual reality, and be supported through an adaptive machine learning platform. Um, we're really excited. Students will enter the course. They'll enter a game. Have the opportunity to work through that game, and then there will be multiple pathways that they will be taken. 
um, or pointed towards depending on you know their success uh, along the way. Um, I think at this point in time, we've come from realizing that school, you know, when, when we started this back in the, 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 the mid 90s, um, one of the things that would come up frequently is that kids, kids need to approach school like a job. It's something that they have to do. And it took us a while to kind of wrap our, wrap our arms around the fact that, you know, if, if we teach it and students don't learn it, we haven't taught it. We haven't done our job. So finding ways to engage students the same way that any of us want to be engaged at work, finding ways to engage student in, students in the learning uh, environment is really critical. And so we're looking at how do we make our courses fun? How do we make them rigorous? How do we make them engaging? How do we use the latest and greatest technology that is available to us today and really maximize our resources in the best interest of the students? Um, I'm really, really excited about that. I imagine you're um, with scale, you, you'll intend to get even smarter about using uh, data-driven student supports? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we're looking at um, a variety of different technologies that um, will free up the teacher so the teacher can do what the teacher does best, which is working directly with students as opposed to um, clerical and busy work behind the scenes. So uh, really looking at some artificial intelligence support there. Um, and then in terms of student learning, uh, really looking at having pathways where students can select their pathway. That's uh, exciting. Uh, Julie, we, we uh, look forward to watching uh, the growth at, uh, at ASU Prep Digital. Um, you're in such an exciting um, ecosystem at, at ASU. Maybe we, you could just close with some reflections on your first year hanging out at ASU. It's really a remarkable place, isn't it? It is a remarkable place, and I feel very, very blessed to be here. Um, it's It's been an interesting, I've watched ASU from a close distance for years. Um, I've always had tremendous admiration for President Michael Crow and the work that he has done here and the difference that he's made. Um, it was interesting when I was at Florida Virtual School and funding was being reduced and we were continuing to do well and do better. He was having the same experience here in Arizona. Um, the, the funding here from the state has, has gone down um, just year after year after year. It's been quite a challenge, but he has turned that into an opportunity and uh, the entrepreneurial spirit uh, at this university is palpable. Um, it has been. It is, and his commitment to access and affordability and engagement—all the things that you've talked about today—are really unparalleled. Unparalleled. The, the just the entire movement that he created around the the new American University, where we measure ourselves by who we include and how they succeed, as opposed to who we exclude, and um, his passion around the fact that American universities. Um, we, we, we have made the, we've made the university so elite um, and, and so closed that we're, you know, we're, we're creating a non-college going society, which is exactly the opposite of what we want to do here in the United States. So he has 
um, been a, a champion of the movement of including students. If, if a student um, applies to Arizona State University and they meet the requirements, they get in. And, you know, I, we can't say that about some of our other uh, universities where you could have two identical students with identical GPAs, identical SATs, identical extracurricular activities, and one gets in and was, one does not, and you never know why. But at ASU, if the student meets the requirements, they get in. And if they don't meet the requirements, there are alternative paths for them to come in. Uh, his whole focus is on creating a college-going society and giving kids opportunity um, that will carry them through life and really, really having an impact on the society that we support. You can uh, learn more at asu.edu and uh, check out a asuprepdigital.org. Julie Young with uh, ASU Prep Digital. It's been great having you on the Getting Smart Podcast. Thanks for having me, Tom. It has been wonderful to chat with you today. A big thanks to Julie Young for speaking with us today. If you like this episode, be sure to check out our others. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe and rate us. For more on innovations in learning, check out our blog at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica. And Tom. Signing off.